0: The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? 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 I right, $5. This is a run to the left.
1: How many tackles can one man break? <laughs> You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need
0: fantasy to be human. <gasps> My goodness. That was good. good. You guys are pros. The best relentless refusing to give up all right hit that horn babe let's dance
1: what's up everybody and welcome to the fantasy flex podcast i am your host chris raybon this is our pre-draft podcast where we are going to talk all about uh, potential landing spots maybe sprinkle a little dynasty in there um talk about some best ball adps and, and just who could be affected uh in terms of the fantasy landscape with this upcoming draft Got my dude Sean Kerner back
0: with us. What's going on, Sean? How you doing? What's up? Uh, I'm happy to be back. This is like officially the launch of the 2022 season for me. Yeah, you've
1: been kind of uh, chilling. I know you've been doing some some behind <laughs> the wouldn't scenes. I say chilling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what I meant. Chilling on football. Yeah. <laughs> I know you've been doing some, working hard, doing some behind the scenes things for, for MLB and NBA yep. and uh, you know, we're right in the thick of the the playoffs, so um, and we
0: got to hang out and watch some games last week, so that was yeah. Fun. Betting on random skee ball, uh, <laughs> yeah. Props, oh yeah, you know, things like that. So that part, I'm chilling. Uh, hopefully, we could do more of that this weekend. But yeah, other than that, I've been grinding everything other than NFL. But I love the draft because right when the draft ends, that's when I start cranking out my initial uh, projections and rankings. So can't wait for that to, to happen next week. Yeah,
1: exactly. This is like this is like the last episode for the hardcore uh, listeners, you know, you know, can't really do much actionable. We can bet on the draft. You know, we have some we have our our draft podcast out with Scott Smith. We have the favorites out. Um, Mm -hmm. Stucky and I have win total pod out. But like this is like I would say the last real hardcore one. And then after the draft, we start getting more actionable information. But we still got some some good nuggets for you on this one in terms of, um, you know, how these guys are going to kind of. Performing a rookie year based on where they're drafted and, and, and things like that. So uh, let's get right into it. Let's start with quarterbacks. Um, I'll just start with um, you know using looking at the sportsbooks odds uh, of teams that are likely to draft a quarterback first. Um, you know there are, are three teams that the their first position draft odds are quarterback in, in the top spot with the shortest odds. That's Carolina at even money. Pittsburgh at plus one twenty five and New Orleans at plus one fifty. We also have Seattle, Atlanta, and Detroit, who are who are you know in the top six. Uh, plus two twenty five for Seattle, four to one for Atlanta, five to one for Detroit. And then of course, Sean, you know the top two quarterbacks on the board: Malik Willis out of Liberty, Kenny Pickett out of Pitt. Um, the eight, their ADPs in best ball right now: Willis twenty four, Pickett thirty one. Uh, what are your just general thoughts on this quarterback class, and, and who's who's gonna uh, pony up and, and take that that first quarterback off the board?
0: Yeah. So overall, this is not a great draft class. Um, we we're kind of spoiled the past two drafts, knowing who is going number one. So there, there's no Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow uh, this year, but we have two guys uh, that will probably be drafted to start this year, um, and that's you know Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett. Uh, you know, the Panthers are the most likely team to draft a quarterback first. So that would be an interesting um, predicament because they have Sam Darnold, but you know, whoever they draft will probably take over sooner than later this season. So that's going to be really good for their fancy value. Um, I I think the Steelers are interesting. You know, they have Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph right now. So whoever, if they draft a quarterback um, would have a chance to start this year. And that's a better fit. You know, they have, um you know Chase Claypool uh Dante Johnson Pat Fireman so that's a good landing spot so you know the landing spot's going to be key but overall i think Malik Willis is going to be the guy to draft in fantasy just because of his um rushing ability um you know he has a cannon for an arm so he he could be like a Josh Allen type like that's his ceiling uh so he's going to have to go somewhere that can coach him up develop him but early on he he could be more of like a Jalen Hurts where he just leans on his legs a ton Um, if Trey Lance played more last year, probably like a Trey Lance type. So he's going to be really good for fantasy, potentially pushing QB one value if he hits. Uh, So he's probably the most intriguing option. Whereas Kenny Pickett, um, he might get drafted by the Panthers so that he'd be more likely to start games. So that gives him some value. And, you know, super flex formats is like a low end QB two, just because he'll probably start over eight games. So, Those are the two guys that I'm, you know, having an eye on. And then we have this tier two with four or five other quarterbacks who probably would need an injury. They're probably gonna be drafted as a backup. So their landing spots is gonna be key and they might need some other luck to kind of start games this year. But uh, that's kind of how I'm doing this class overall. Yeah, I think Carolina is really a team to watch. You know, they're top uh, they're the
1: shortest odds for both Willis at plus Mm two fifty and pickett at plus one fifty, but I just like the Kind of what you're getting if you're going to Carolina as a quarterback from a fantasy perspective, whether it's Pickard or Willis. I like Willis a lot better just because, like you said, he I think he has that higher rushing upside. Um, but think about Carolina; it's like you're playing in that division that got a lot weaker. Uh, you know, Atlanta is going to be bad. New Orleans could be bad. Who knows? And, and <laughs> Tampa Bay might not even be as good as they were in the past. I mean, they're dealing with injuries. They're you know, Brady's a year older. I mean, it's you know, new coach. A lot of, a lot of things going on with Tampa Bay. And you're still throwing a Christian McCaffrey yep. uh, like 150 times a year. If he stays healthy, you're still throwing a DJ Moore. Um, you know, I, I think it's, you know, it's intriguing and then you're going to be able to just run around when you're not doing that. And they kind of like the Eagles, we mentioned with Hertz, the Eagles were going super run heavy for the second mm-hmm. half of the year. And we saw Carolina kind of do that down the stretch. And that seemed to be what Matt rule wanted to do with that team. So I think it's intriguing um, you know, if you go there, especially if you're Malik Willis, uh, it looks like Pickett is more likely, but I would, I would like to see Malik Willis go to Carolina. I think either way, I think QB 24, wherever Willis goes is too low because I think it's like, if Carolina doesn't take him, then I feel like the team who does take him is going to want to start him. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think you, whoever then goes and takes that next court, like, you know, he's going to be the next one off the board. I don't think they're going to do it to like sit him. Yeah. So, I mean, cause the other teams on the list, Pittsburgh. Detroit, Atlanta, Seattle. Really, Detroit's the only one that they could sit him for a year. I think Atlanta, Seattle, he would play right away. I think Pittsburgh, he'd probably play right away too, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I think Willis at, at QB 24 um, is too low. I think, Will, is, would you say Willis or Pickett in Dynasty as um, the top um, overall quarterback? Ooh,
0: that's a tough question because Willis, you know, he might be like Jalen Hurts, where every year is on borrowed time. Like, I, I can't say he's going to be a starter. Three years from now, I think Pickett is more likely to be, but just Willis has so much upside, I would still go with Willis. But again, this class isn't very good. We can't say any one of these guys is a franchise quarterback who we can bank on starting in three years from now. So um I would just have to go with the upside and still say Willis, whereas Pickett might have the slightly higher floor. Um, but again, whoever if the Panthers draft one of these guys six, you know, they're gonna be committed to him. So that's that's gonna boost. Um, either one of their value or again like I said if they go to Pittsburgh like you said they're going to want to start them right away so um, either Carolina or Pittsburgh um, you know I'm going to like both of these guys but if one of these fall past there or go somewhere else then, then it's going to shake things up yeah yeah I, I go Willis sort all of the way I just think he has a lot of upside I
1: mean you know go back and watch some of him play and then watch Pickett I mean Pickett could be one of those guys and like you know, four years, we're just talking about like, is he a franchise quarterback or, you know, what I mean? it's like kind of like in that Baker Mayfield ter- territory, yeah. whereas it's, yeah. it's like going downhill fast. So, and, you know, obviously you could be wrong, but um, yeah, Willis just jumps out. Uh, what about any thoughts on Sam Howell? I know, you know, he's kind of got some rushing upside, too. There are the, the DraftKings over under for quarterbacks in the first round is four and a half. So. There could be a run on quarterbacks. I mean, Ritter is another one, but I don't know. Howell's is a little bit interesting. He's even money to go in round one. Uh, he could go to like one of these, you know, teams that if, if it's not Carolina or Pittsburgh, um, and, and potentially rush for a lot of yards if he ended up starting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He has that rushing upside, which we love for rookie quarterbacks. He also has a big arm. So if he goes to a team with above average downfield threats, that's going to be massive for him. But it really this tier two with, you know, Ritter, uh, Corral, Howell, strong any one of these guys can get drafted ahead of the other. So it's really just about landing spot draft capital. So whichever one of these guys goes first, I'll be interested in, but yeah, it's, it's pretty close between these four, but Howell obviously has the bigger fancy upside just because of his, his rushing ability and his big arm.
1: Yeah. It would be, it would be kind of interesting to see him in Seattle. Cause it's like, he could just oh. still be like in a, in a run heavy offense and, and, but he could be running and then he could just use his arm to throw it to DK and, and it, yeah. Yeah, and it. So I would, would kind of like to see him in Seattle. And Fant,
0: yeah, they, they yeah, have a good core yeah. of pass catchers in Seattle right now. Yep.
1: Uh, all right, let's move on to the kind of bread and butter here uh, <laughs> when we talk about rookies, and that's, that's running back, because uh, especially if you're drafted highly at the running back position, and they tend to use you right away. And to put some numbers to that, over the past 10 seasons, running backs drafted in round one, touches per game, 258 touches per season and 11 of the 14 have averaged 10 or more PPR points per game round two. You're still at 12.1 touches per game, 157 touches per season and over half of them average double digit PPR points. And even in round three, you're you're just below double digit touches at 9.7 per game. Um, and, uh, and you still have about a, a, you know, one in three chance of averaging double digit PPR points. So um, you know, running back when you when a team does draft one, they're usually drafted right away. And if you look at the the odds, because um, uh, books have odds for each team and what they're going to do first. Um, and you you can kind of get a sense of the team needs. It's, it's not always perfect because it's just, you know, first pick. But Buffalo is the only team um, with a running back, you know, odds to be drafted first in the top two slots. Um, and it's a plus three fifty. Most teams are at plus two thousand or plus ten thousand. So Buffalo and then Miami um, it's plus seven fifty. So it's still a long shot to draft one first, but, you know, books seem to think they're going to probably draft one at some point, which is interesting. Cause they already got Edmonds, uh, most third, I think Gaskin's still on the roster as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, I mean, there's already a, a log jam there, but I mean, um, you know, we're going to kind of talk some best fits for these guys, but I think that's interesting. And um, what are your thoughts on kind of, just Buffalo you know, in the market for a running back? Because we love Devin Singletary yeah. uh, down the stretch last year.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that's a great landing spot. It's a good offense. But they already have Singletary, who I thought was really good at the end of the season. If anything, it's an indictment on Zach Moss. Uh, I think whoever <laughs> they get it could be you know, Zach Moss type of replacement. So one of these bigger backs later on. But they, the Bills don't have that many holes, so it makes sense for them to finally just spend up Uh, At running back. So that'd be an interesting landing spot. I don't know if it'd be really good for a guy like Brees Hall or, you know, Kenneth Walker, but um, obviously it's a good offense. And yeah, the Dolphins is interesting too. They already have a few guys there. Um, So landing spots, everything. Um, And this year we we probably don't have a first round running back. And maybe that's due to, you know, the league getting smarter, um, just knowing that running backs are replaceable. Um, So, you know, we have this tier one of Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker, and that's pretty wide open after that. So all these guys bring different traits and skills and have certain weaknesses. So it it really depends on what team they go to. And also, um, you know, whatever team they go to, it's going to impact the running backs already on the roster. So we have to look out for that. Uh, You know, I remember Travis Etienne last year going to Jacksonville. That was kind of a surprise. Um, and that that was a serious hit to James Robinson stock until ATN obviously got hurt. So that's, that's another thing to monitor. Some of these like pass catching backs later in the draft, if they go to a team with a third down back uh, already locked up, it could be a threat to that player. So there's just a lot of moving parts. Um, but yeah, Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker are probably the two best bets um, this year. So interested to see where they go and, uh, I mean, I, I kind of have them tied right now in terms of fancy projections. Do you? Are you leaning towards either one of these backs right now? Uh, this is my
1: completely uh, com- opinion, <laughs> just from like watching these yeah. guys play, and and most of it is like watching highlights from after the season because I don't get to watch a lot of college football during the season because obviously we're doing this. But I really like Brees Hall. I think you know, like yeah. I just something about the way he runs, and you know, he did run a what was it a four three nine. I know Walker ran a four, three, eight, but Brees Hall is bigger. You know, he's five, 11, 2,17. Walker's about 5'9 to, to 11. Um, you know, he ran, ran a fast 40. Uh, he's had 590 touches over the past two years. So he can likely be a bell cow wherever he goes. Um, you know, I, I think like Brees Hall is probably like, almost like the Najee and, and Kenneth Walker's like the ETN where it's like, I feel like Kenneth Walker, you are not necessarily drafting him to be like a 20 touchback. Whereas Brees Hall, they, you might. So, I, but I also just like, I think his skills are better. I, I really like him. I'm um, watching him. Not that what like walk is really good too, but uh, I think it's a clear top two, but
0: I, I personally uh, am fond of, of Hall. Yeah. He, he gives me some like cream hunt vibes. Um, and he's the type of back because, you know, cream hunt, he doesn't need a massive workload to put up RB two value. Like I remember Javante Williams last year was amazing. Uh, you know, splitting touches with Melvin Gordon. So Hull kind of reminds me of that, where he won't need that many touches to post value. So if he ends up in the right spot, um, he definitely has high-end RB2 upside. Whereas Kenneth Walker, um, you know, he's not a great pass-catching back. Uh, He definitely needs to work on his pass protection. So he kind of needs to land in the right spot. Uh, A team that kind of needs uh, early down back, like I'm thinking like the Falcons maybe, they need a Mike Davis kind of replacement, or Houston, or maybe Miami. Uh, but I think Walker would need like a, a certain fit. Whereas wherever Brees Hall goes, um, he could take yeah. over the starting role right away. So that's, I see the difference between the two where Kev Walker, he probably depends on the landing spot more than Brees Hall. So that, that that'll be an interesting thing to watch.
1: Yeah. And maybe I shouldn't have compared him to ETN because like right, ETN is a great pass catcher and Walker is not. I want to make that clear. I yeah. just meant in terms of like the workloads, whereas Harris last year was like, we knew he was going to be that bell cow. Mm-hmm. And Etienne, you knew he was going to be more of a compliment. Um, It's just that Walker would have to be a different kind of compliment. 18 career catches. uh, You mentioned the pass protection issues. But uh, interestingly enough, uh, Hall is plus 145 to go in round one. So to your point, no running backs likely to go in round one. Uh, But Walker's plus 300. So Walker about a 25% chance, whereas Hall uh, closer to a 40% chance, uh, according to the Vegas odds. So um, Hall is kind of that favorite for that number one, a running back slot, 590 touches over the past two years. Uh, so, you know, I think, you know, that would be uh, interesting if he went to Buffalo because as good as Singletary was, you know, Hall could probably also kind of get that Singletary role at some point because Singletary, it's yeah. like they've never committed to him for like more than a half season in Buffalo. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like either at the beginning of the year, or at the end of the year, they seem to figure out that they need to commit to him, but they've never done it over a full year. Now, you know, the, you know, somebody who's making these lines seems to think that Buffalo is in the market for a running back early on. So, um, you know, Singletary is probably also good to kind of not overdraft him if you're, you know, drafted early yeah. best ball and whatnot, uh, especially leading up to the draft until we know what's going on there. Um, Hall is a RB 22 on underdog right now, by the way, and uh, Walker's the RB 30. So you're not really getting any discount um, <laughs> as far as like, oh, these guys have upside. Like they're already kind of being drafted. Where you would expect, given what their draft pedigree is going to be.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, if, if Hall ends up in Buffalo, um, he would be a very valuable, like, handcuff, like a Javante Williams last year. Or remember when Jonathan Taylor was drafted, you know, we thought he was going to compete with Marlon Mack, Naheem Pine. <laughs> so, if like, if Reese goes somewhere like that, his draft value might plummet a bit, but he still has that upside. So, uh, yeah, landing on the Bills would be interesting for fantasy because I'd still value him, but his yeah. his ADP might drop to, like, 30 just because Singletary would be the lead back at least to start. But like you said, the, the Bills, they, they've been kind of tricky with running backs and fantasy, so I, I would kind of like that um if Brees Hall goes there. Yeah.
1: yeah, I don't I don't know if it's tricky. It's just that Zach Moss was supposed to be good, and he just wasn't. Well, so also,
0: that... also Josh Allen's their best running back. Running back. So <laughs> <That's, yeah. laughs> that, that complicates things. All right. Uh, so then we got
1: all these other guys, and to me, it's <laughs> it, it's kind of hard for me to differentiate between them at this point. I mean, they have different skill sets, so I, I guess that's a, a, a place to start. But I mean, you talk about guys like Isaiah Spiller, James Cook, Zamir White, Brian Robinson, uh Tywa Algier, Kyron Williams, Rashad White. Um, there's a few others. I, I'm not even gonna name all of them because there's there's like 12 or 13 of them, but Um, you know, any, anybody stick out to you is, um, maybe somebody that, that, that could kind of climb the board here. They're all going, uh, on underdog Isaiah Spiller is actually the next one at at running back 34, then Williams at 41, Rashad white at 46, Robinson 53 and Algier at 55. Um, any, any of those backs kind of catch your eye or, you know, would they catch your eye if they went to a a certain, uh,
0: team? Yeah, I think Spiller is a guy I'm, uh, kind of keeping an eye on because uh, he had a really bad combine. His his draft got his draft stock probably took a hit, uh, but he has the potential to be a three down workhorse back. Yep. So we'll be like if an NFL team decides to spend a second or third round pick on him, um, that means that they're comfortable, you know, with his combine and everything, and they they think that he can be good. So. Uh, his draft stock will be everything. Same thing with landing spots. So Spiller's probably the guy with the most potential in this tier, but certainly, you know, he has a low floor because there, there are some concerns there. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that um, are, are going to be like good pass catching backs right out of the gate, like Tyron Williams, James Cook, um, certainly, and maybe Tyler Batty further down the list. So again, I, I don't know if these guys will be, guys I'm drafting this year, but if they go to a team that we already think has an established third down back, you know, that's going to impact them a lot. Cause these guys are, you know, like a James White, Naheem Hines type of role. So, um, be interested to see where those guys go to, like, you know, if the Steelers draft a guy like this, maybe it means that they're going to kind of limit Najee Harris on passing downs or something like that. I'm not saying that the Steelers are going to draft one of these guys, but just these are kind of guys that are, they're going to impact the starting running back that is there right now. Um, and then you have these bigger backs like a uh, Brian Robinson or Tyler Algier, um, where it, it's all about landing spot for them. They're, they're the kind of guys, they're just two down grinders. So if they go to a team like the Chargers, maybe um, who, you know, Joshua Kelly, Larry Roundtree, just haven't been cutting it. Uh, they just let go of Justin Jackson. So um, they could have a role in that offense right out of the gate. Cause you know, they try to spell Austin Eckler a bit. Um, or even the Eagles looking for Jordan Howard type replacement. Uh, But those guys, it it definitely depends on landing spot because they they kind of have a limited role. Um, But all of these guys, like you said, it's a massive tier. I think there's like nine, 10 running backs I have in this tier two. It all depends on landing spot uh, for where their ultimate fancy value is going to be in my opinion. Yeah. Because uh, again, you know, it's, 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 and it's not just landing
1: spot; it's landing spot in, in how early they're taken because (laughs) You know, it's just been round in, in and of itself has just been so predictive of usage and of, you know, production. You know, it's kind of we know running backs, there's not a lot of wiggle room when it comes to efficiency. Um, you know, most guys are going to project right around four yards of carry a little more. So, you know, it, it's just about that drop off round, around around. So whoever sneaks in around, you know, two or, you know, three. Uh, those are the guys you're going to want to target, um, you know, cause those are the teams that are going to kind of let you know, Hey, we're looking to, to, to kind of
0: diversify. Unless, it, so. unless it's the 49ers <laughs> drafting. Then you can throw draft capital at the window because it doesn't matter. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, we, we have, I mean, they, Hey, they might need it. We're
1: running back to replace Devo Samuel. So. Oh man. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think Tampa Bay would be a good uh, spot for a guy like Spiller, um, you know, he's a gap scheme guy. They, they, they run a gap scheme. You know, he's patient. I think, you know, he would still be the backup to Fournette obviously, yeah. but um, I think down the line, you know, maybe dynasty, something like that. Uh, I think, you know, I, I think he would get a shot and maybe Robinson. I, I think I would like to see a guy like him maybe go to Buffalo. Right. So then Singletary could mm. still be the lead back Robinson. You know, a lot of people think he's a top short yardage back in the class, 6'2", 225, uh, 4'5", 40. So um, yeah. Yeah. He would be the, the Zach
0: Moss replacement. Right. For sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's jump to another fun one wide receiver. And this is another position where, first of all, it's probably the most important fantasy position at this point, um, but it's also another one where, where you get drafted in terms of not just the landing spot, but the round plays a big factor. Um, Still, so round one wide receivers over the last 10 years, 6.1 targets per game, uh, 43% have, Average double-digit PPR points as a rookie. Uh, when you go to round two, now you're down to 4.4 targets per game, uh, and just 28% have averaged double-digit PPR points over the last decade. When you go down to round three, now you're just under three targets a game, and only 16% are averaging double-digit PPR points. And then in in day three, rounds four through seven, you're at about two targets per game. Uh, and 4% so you're under 5% in terms of the, the double digit PPR production. So it's just, you have to get really lucky with, you know, kind of matching a, a undervalued talent with a, an opening in terms of a lot of targets and routes to be run. So I think, you know, the, that those, ra- these guys are going round one and there could be, you know, five to six, mm-hmm. should be at least four or uh, five uh, could even be six uh, in round one. So, you know, let's, let's talk about kind of this, this top tier uh, of players. It's, uh, you know, Jamison Williams out of Alabama, Traylon Burks out of Arkansas, Chris Olave from Ohio State, Drake London from USC, and then uh, Garrett Wilson uh, might be the most intriguing uh, from Ohio State. Uh, his over/under for pick him and London uh, are both at, at 10.5 in terms of the the uh, draft spot over/under. So I guess let's start with them. Uh, where do you think uh, where do you think those guys end up going, and, and, and who would be the best fit?
0: Yeah, so I think, you know, Garrett Wilson, it looks like he's likely to go to the Falcons. I haven't seen odds on it, but, you know, he certainly has the highest floor um, in, in this, you know, top tier, I think. Uh, and Dane Bruber at the Athletic Compares in the C.D. Lamb. And I can kind of see that. And, you know, I love C.D. Lamb. So I think it's also a good fit. Um, you know, if Garrett Wilson goes to the Falcons, it would kind of remind me of Amon Ross St. Brown. Going to the Lions last year, I mean, it was a wide open wide receiver room. Um, they have a good pass catching back in Cordell Patterson, DeAndre Swift and Detroit, a uh, great tight end Kyle Pitts in Atlanta, DJ Hawkinson um, in Detroit, and then he kind of like a mediocre quarterback, a transition quarterback. So Garrett Wilson, he, he could you know see eight plus targets a game. That's all we're looking for uh, from a rookie. So he's he's definitely exciting. I think if he ends up in Atlanta. Uh, that means he got drafted very early and they intend to use him as the number one right receiver. Um, so I think, you know, Garrett Wilson's a guy I'm very interested in heading into 2022 and then Drake Lennon. Um, it, it seems likely that he's going to go to the jets. Uh, so that's, that's very good news for Zach Wilson. He, he could have Drake Lennon, Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. Uh, it's hard to complain about that trio, uh, but Drake Lennon has a ton of people comparing to Mike Evans. I could see that. He's a big body receiver, not fast by any means, but could be a you know a deep threat, a red zone kind of guy, um, and those are traits that we look for in fantasy. So he could have touchdown production, uh, but in the end, he's going to need Zach Wilson improve in year two, or else it could be very tough for London. But again, he could make things easier for Wilson. So those are certainly the top two guys. Uh, but this is a very deep wide receiver class, so any one of these guys in the top tier. Um could could have a good landing spot and you know push wide receiver two value this year. Yeah, I think Wilson to the Falcons, that that's a like you said, that's a that sticks out to me
1: as a great fit. I mean, he's like a Z slot slot guy. Um, pr- a lot of people think he's the best separator in the class. Yes, he needs to get a little bit stronger, but ran at 438 at, at six feet 183. The Falcons have all of the targets, you know, up for grabs. Like London to the Jets. I mean, yes, the Jets aren't. Like you know, they'll probably be better at tight end this year um, than they were last Mm -hmm. year. But Moore and Corey Davis are no slouches. So I just worry that London doesn't have that same year one target upside unless he's just Mike Evans. You know what I mean, right off the bat. And even so, (laughs) it's like I feel like receivers like London like that. Like it, I don't know. It just doesn't seem as likely for them to have these like monster year ones as a guy as like a separator quicker guy. So you know, I, I, I would not. Like, it's a good fit for the Jets to get Drake London. But in fantasy, it uh, wouldn't be my favorite. Like, I think whoever goes to the Falcons, like, that's the optimal landings, yeah. wide receiver landings. But, like, like they're the Lions of this year, Like kind of like you said. Like, it's just wide open. Uh, they didn't do anything in free agency, really, you know, to, to kind of shore that up. So, they got to start young guys from the jump. And they still will have another player in Kyle Pitts who can be the defense's number one priority, at least for now. So like the Falcons are just a perfect landing spot, like whatever wide receiver you see go to the Falcons, (laughs) like draft him.
0: (laughs) That's my, that's my advice. There are uh, two really good landing spots later on. Um, You know, both Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes just lost their top wide receiver. So I'm very interested to see who or where, like, um, you know, a Traylon Burks mm. going to Green Bay or Jamison Williams going to Kansas City would be very intriguing. Uh, now, Jamison Williams—he tore his ACL yep. very late in this, you know, in the playoffs. So I, I don't know when he'll be able to play. So he's sort of a longer-term investment. But if he goes to the Chiefs, you know, like he would be the Tyree Kill kind of replacement. So he probably has the highest upside uh, of the rest of this top tier. And you know, what do you think about Traylon Burks? Because he has, you know, Debo Samuel upside um but there there are some concerns with him but um you know wh- where do you think about trail on burks right now
1: yeah i mean i feel like he's you know uh, when i when i look at him just like where he's kind of projected to go i, I feel like green bay makes some sense for, mm-hmm. for him you know like he, his over under is 23.5 um he is minus 650 to go in round one so it's essentially he's projected to go on the back half of round one, but definitely in the back half of round one, um, you know, six, two, what is it, about? 220, 225, 40 was about a four and 4.55. So he's a size, you know, size, somewhat speed guy, um, you know, not a great necessarily route runner yet, but um, you know, I think a, a team like New Orleans or, or green Bay, I, I think, um, would be in the market for him. Uh, but I think he ends up going to green Bay. Um, yeah. Maybe Kansas city. I mean, it depends. Like, do they want, what does Kansas city want now? Cause they do have players like on the roster that they can start at different spots. Like Hardman, Hardman, a lot of people thought could be kind of like that Tyreek Hill role. They have MVS to be like a deep threat. You yeah. Know, Juju is like the underneath guy. You still have Kelsey. So I feel like Kansas city is a little bit more wide open in terms of the type of player that they could uh, draft at wide receiver, but also, Kansas City just has a lot more competition for targets. It doesn't seem like it, but they did just give MVS a contract. They gave Juju a contract. They got Kelsey's getting hundred, you know, 40, 50 odd targets if he stays healthy. So I like Green Bay, is really what I'm I would hope that Burks goes, or or really any of these wide receivers on the back end. I I think Olave to the Saints is probably the one Mm -hmm. everyone's been talking about. I like I like that for the Saints actually because Michael Thomas is gonna be that number one, but like the number two in the Saints, if he's good and he's a you know good separator route runner, which Alave is, he could like it could be like a, a very concentrated like one two punch in yep. New Orleans. Uh, and you know they probably pass more than they did last year. I mean, last year they just completely hid the quarterback, um, which is you know it's just like we regress to the mean. Like I know Winston's back, and but know, uh, yeah, no, no taste him. so you probably throw it more regardless. Yeah,
0: that'll that'll help. Winston being healthy all season would help. A guy like Olave. Um, I think that he he would kind of replace sort of the Manny Sanders role, right? Where you have like Michael Thomas and Manny Sanders. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, their depth chart last year, especially if Mike Thomas hurt all of last year. Uh, excuse me, Michael Thomas. Michael. Yeah. You don't
1: want to not, not the special team in Cincinnati.
0: <laughs> but yeah, guys like Callaway, Traquan Smith, Deontay Harris, like they would get pushed down the pecking order. So yeah, Olave to the Saints, I think is the most likely thing right now. And I think that'd be a good fit for him. There are
1: uh over a half dozen teams that um at DraftKings, they are their odds to draft a position first wide receiver uh is that you know position with the shortest odds, Green Bay at minus 165, Atlanta plus 110, Kansas City plus 120, uh Washington plus 125, San Francisco, interesting, plus 185, uh Philly. Arizona and Chicago, uh, Philly and Arizona at plus two twenty five, and then Chicago at plus two fifty. Cleveland and Indy are also at plus two fifty, but wide receiver is the second most likely um, you know position in terms of the odds. Um, so uh, there are a lot of you know there could be a big run on wide receivers, and again you know the the over under is five and a half. You know there's five that are probably definitely going, uh, and then you know but whoever you know that sixth guy, whether it's Sky Moore, John Dotson. Uh, or or uh, Pickens, whoever it might be, uh, Christian Watson, Jalen Tolbert, whoever's kind of if, if one of those players sneaks into round one, that that would be worth a lot in in terms of fantasy because again, you know, round one picks six point one targets a game, forty three percent double digit PPR rate in year one, uh, and then you drop to four point four and twenty eight percent in round two. So just it, whoever sneaks into the you know those last few. Picks around one, if it does happen, I think would be major. Who do you like in that in that second tier amongst you know more and Pickens and Dotson and those guys?
0: Yeah, so there's there's a lot of um, like slot type guys. So I think that the one guy that probably has the most upside is uh, Pickens, Um, and you know the concern with him is he's recovering from an ACL tear last year. He didn't return until like the last final four. I think he had like three games, but he barely played. I thought it was one, but he barely he had like one catch in the last three games um so we don't know you know how he developed or if he's i'm you know at this point in time acl tears aren't career threatening or anything like that so we just didn't get to see where he was in his development i should say last year so i think if if an nfl team takes him in the first round like it it means that they're confident in their evaluation so that's going to boost his um you know projection my model so i think pickens has the highest upside you know he could be like a kenny Galladay type when he was good on the Lions, you know, a, a good contested catch downfield kind of guy. So um the landing spot and draft capital is going to be huge with pickens. And same goes, like he's way further down on the draft board, but Justin Ross is a little bit similar where, you know, he had sort of a career threatening spinal injury um after a breakout freshman season. So we don't know where he is in his development. Um so, you know, if a team takes a chance on him early on, like that's going to be uh worth monitoring. But He's a guy not to sleep on just because he does have a uh, pretty high upside, but he might get drafted a little bit later. Uh, but again, the second tier, it all comes down to landing spot. I mean, uh, these slot guys like Sky Moore or Dodson, um, you know, just look at last year where Rondell Moore and Amal Run State Brown um, went to two different, you know, situations and look, look how that turned out. So um, these guys will probably need, you know, kind of like available targets. Um, to, to hit the ground running as a rookie because I, I don't think they're going to win with you know touchdowns and that, that kind of thing, so they're going to need that volume. So, landing spot's going to be crucial for those types of guys,
1: yeah, yeah, and yeah. And Pickens, yeah, he came back for the rest regular season game, but then he, yeah, they, they had three more games, um, yeah. in the postseason, but he
0: barely played in those games, yeah, like he, he got he five
1: catches across yeah. those games. Um, yeah, Sky Moore is interesting, I, I, I kind of like you know, like his skill set, but. Um, like you said, it's going to, you know, kind of matter where he goes, you know, green Bay, a lot of people think they're going to draft a couple of wide receivers early. Um, but the thing is, I don't know, Rodgers was at the game with, uh, he was at the Bucks game with Randall Cobb. So I think they're, they're still, yeah. they're still planning on starting, starting Cobb out there in the slot. So, and they still have uh, what's his name? Mark Rogers, Rogers is a uh, good backup. So yeah,
0: I, I just can't see yeah. them drafting another slot guy after yeah. that.
1: And then Kansas City is kind of the same thing. It's like I mean Juju would you would think would be in the plans in the slot. So I don't you know it, it's it's tough to kind of peg where these guys end up. I, Atlanta, I mean Atlanta probably they could draft three receivers and start all three at this point. So yeah, I, they probably I, I, should. <laughs> right. It's just it's just that who's the quarterback going to be? That's that's really the, the question mark. But yeah. uh, I think whoever goes to Atlanta whoever goes in that in a second round and whoever sneaks into the first really want to monitor, uh, those guys. But, uh, that, that top five of, uh, Burks, Wilson, London, Olave and Williams. That's, that's kind of, those are going to be your your best bets in terms of year one production, uh, and fantasy tight end tight ends pretty quick. I mean, (laughs) there's one guy I think we should talk about and it's Trey McBride. Uh, and he probably won't even go in round one, um you know round may not even go around too uh denver looks like the like a lot of people have a mock to denver uh so that's not good for our guy alberto uh, maybe denver continues to you know incorporate the the two tight end sets uh at a higher rate than we think um but they are you no know, no team is really likely to, to draft a tight end first or, or even second but denver is the, the top odds uh, at 9 to 1 uh, so you can just kind of extrapolate that to mean they're you know they're most likely to draft a tight end at some point early yeah. Um, Tampa Bay 10 to one. And, and then Chicago at 15 to one Cleveland at eight to one, uh, 18 to one Cincinnati and, and the Colts at 25 to one. So uh, I mean, Tampa Bay is very intriguing for Trey McBride all around guy at uh, a CSU. got our boy, Peter Jennings. <laughs> yeah. um, but I mean, Tampa Bay would be pretty intriguing, probably more so than Denver, just because in Denver, it'd be a,
0: just another committee. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, overall, this is a pretty deep class. Um, There's no Kyle Pitts, obviously. Um, And tight ends for fantasy, you know, it usually takes two or three years for them to even break out. So we're really not targeting um, rookies uh, in fantasy. But I think if McBride were to go to Tampa Bay, then I would be all in. Because if, like, let's say Rob, uh, if Gronk doesn't come back this year, they just got rid of O.J. Howard, he would be competing with Cam Brake. Yeah. Um, so, and Tom Brady's coming back. So I think that'd be very appealing if, if Gronk retires or stays retired um, and McBride goes to Tampa Bay, that's going to be, you know, a, the perfect storm where he could push, you know, high end tight end to value. Other than that, um, especially after him, it all comes down a landing spot. Like you said, there, there are some rooms like um, Denver. There's certainly room for, you know, tight end two there. Chicago. I don't know if that'd be a good landing spot. there you have Cole Komet, you know, Some guy replaced the Jimmy Graham role, the occasional touchdown uh, to vulture commit. Uh, But, you know, teams like um, Cleveland, Cincy, Indy, I I don't know if there's room uh, for a rookie to really hit the ground running there. Um, So I'll just be looking for whoever the Broncos or Bucks draft. That's who I'm going to be interested in.
1: Yeah. And just to put some numbers on why we probably don't have to worry about this, uh, especially in redraft round one tight ends over the past 10 years, there's only been nine of them. But they've averaged four and a half targets per game. Uh, only 22% of them have averaged double digit PPR points. Uh, when you drop to, and, and again, there's almost certainly going to be no tight end taken in round one this year. Yeah. Round two, which probably best case scenario for a guy like McBride, uh, over the last 10 seasons, there's been 16 of them drafted tight ends in round two, 2.8 targets per game. None of them have averaged double digit PPR points. And then round three. So another, you know, also in day two. Now you're down to two targets per game. The Jordan Reed uh was the one exception there to, to get to uh double digit PPR points. So you're talking about in day on day two, one of 41 have given you double digit PPR points, and you're averaging about you know two and a half targets, two two to three targets per game. And that's you know, that's <laughs> like like it's just a tough position in, in year one. Yeah. How Pitts is such the exception and even he you know it was kind of uneven because <laughs> he didn't score touchdowns
0: I, and yeah i was gonna say kyle pitts literally god's gift to tight ends um you know he had a really good rookie season let's not deny it he had over a thousand yards receiving but yeah. yeah he only scored one touchdown so even he has some growing pains and certainly you know i expect a, a big jump in touchdowns this year but it just goes to show that uh rookie tight ends are very hard to trust they have to be in like the, the perfect situation to hit as a rookie and uh, I guess we close it with this stat: Trey McBride,
1: last year at CSU, thirty-seven percent of the yardage, uh, ninety-one catches, one thousand one hundred twenty-five yards. Guess how many touchdowns? Uh, the same as Kyle Pitts, right? Yep, one. <laughs> so just uh, not not a fun tight end class. He's going as tight end twenty in in uh, at, at underdog right now in pre-draft best ball. Uh, probably a probably a best case scenario, and yeah. unless he goes to like. I would say even the Bucs, because even if he's on the Broncos, he could still play behind, like as the number two to Alberto in year one. So I, I would say the, the Bucks are really that team where if, if Gronk retires, McBride, perhaps, you know, he could step in right away yeah. and, and, you know, he's getting passed from Brady. So that's the, yeah, just watch for McBride to go to Tampa Bay is, is the, uh, the actionable advice here. All right. That is going to wrap it up for us here uh, with this pre draft edition of the fantasy flex. Podcast. Be sure to check out all of our uh, draft content at actionnetwork.com. Uh, be sure to download the free award winning Action Network app. You can follow Sean at the underscore oddsmaker and me at Chris Rabon. You can find us at the some handles on Twitter. Uh, if you like the pod, please leave a five star rating and review on Apple or Spotify. And uh, we will be back. Until then, let's get this money.